listeners and welcome back to State of the Union, your weekly breakdown of all things Scottish independence. I am Stephen Payton and I'll be your guide through the murky waters of Scottish politics today. The date is Friday the 30th of July 2021. Let's get started. Kicking things off this week, a court has heard that the Tories did indeed use taxpayers' cash to carry out polling on opposition politicians, a move that has been described as utterly damning by the SNP. Last week, documents were presented to a hearing by lawyers with the Good Law Project in a case related to the award of a public contract by Michael Gove. The Good Law Project have stated that the consulting firm Hanbury, under the instruction of the Cabinet Office, was handed taxpayers' cash to carry out political polling on key opposition figures, including Keir Starmer and Sadiq Khan. Now, apparently, emails had been discovered that showed civil servants were pretty uncomfortable with the situation that they were in. And for independent supporters following the ongoing fight to find out just how much public money has been spent on polling around support for independence, this should all be feeling very familiar. To all intents and purposes, it appears to be another example of the Westminster government using taxpayers' cash to further their own party political agenda, whether that's tracking their political opponents or rising support for independence. The argument for the broad shoulders of the UK seems eh, quite a bit weaker when the whole pooling and sharing of resources is, in reality, us handing over money that will then be used against us by successive Westminster administrations. Where are those broad shoulders now as Chancellor Rishi Sunak cuts lifeline support for Scots by ending an uplift in universal credit and scrapping the furlough scheme prematurely? These latest moves from the UK government could drop half a million folk into poverty. During the pandemic, the Tories introduced a £20 weekly uplift for those on welfare, only to now snatch it back while recovery is still underway. And with most powers around welfare still reserved at Westminster, this would be another point for the case for independence. The Chancellor was actually told to apologise to Scots ahead of a visit to Scotland on Thursday by SNP MP Alison Phyllis, who urged Sunak to explain how he could support ending furlough and taking cash away from struggling families, while also justifying spending £250 million on a new yacht. Though there's plenty more he could be apologising for, or at the very least, trying to explain to us, such as why from a £1 billion UK-wide scheme to help startups during the pandemic, less than 1% of that went to companies in Scotland. Or why Westminster's Kickstart scheme, which promised 250,000 jobs across the UK for young people, helped just 4,000 people in Scotland. And all of that is leaving aside the fact that Sunak was using his trip north to tout how invested the Tories are in green energy, all while remaining committed to extracting as much oil and gas from Scotland as possible. Broad shoulders, indeed. Also, this week, 
The Yes Movement is facing some fresh problems online after several prominent pro-independence Facebook groups have become COVID conspiracy farms, something that risks damaging the reputation of the Yes Movement as a whole. Some of these online groups with follower accounts in the tens of thousands have described images of people sick with the coronavirus as laughable propaganda, while also posting positively about the anti-vaccination protests in London. Posts which, by the way, included folk wearing QAnon t-shirts. According to some activists, it has left them entirely unwilling to engage with campaigning around independence with the groups that have been sharing these conspiracy theories. And yeah, of course it has. The thing is though, that this has been a growing problem within the Yes Movement for quite some time now. Within our movement, there is a loud conspiratorial contingent, often branded as the Stuanon wing, who constantly share conspiratorial posts about the Scottish government, transgender people, much of the media, and generally anyone who doesn't subscribe to their very particular brand of what the Yes Movement should look like, or for that matter, who don't support whatever political party they've put their weight behind. What it does mean though, is that it's down to others in the Yes Movement to call out this behaviour, before it becomes a brush that will be used to tar us all. And finally, this week Lib Dem MSP Alex Cole Hamilton has claimed that the Scottish Government do not, in fact, have a mandate for a second referendum, despite that whole Holyrood election where the Scottish electorate returned a pro-independence majority to the Scottish Parliament. Uh, that being the one uh, <laughs> currently made up of the SNP and the Scottish Greens who both openly stood on pro-independence tickets. It is interesting that an MSP for a party that has been reduced to just four parliamentarians thinks he knows what does and doesn't count as a mandate. But let's hear him out. What's the thinking? Well, according to Cole Hamilton, our mandate is tainted. And here's why. Quote, Two weeks out from the election, the SNP could see the polls start to slump. We were picking it up on the doorsteps in my constituency and other constituencies around the country. People were telling you, look, I think I like independence, but just not now, not with everything going on. And so suddenly the SNP pivoted. And if you remember, there was that quite famous mail shot that went out, which had an empty lectern, an empty podium with, who do we trust to lead Scotland out of the pandemic? So it suddenly became a let's not change horses election rather than a give us a mandate for another push to an independence referendum. So I think anyway you slice it, the SNP don't have a mandate, they need to get on with the day job. Oh my god. So yeah, Alex Cohamata's entire argument against Scotland having a mandate to hold an independence referendum is based on the fact that the SNP's campaign was about more than just independence. I don't know why I need to explain this to an elected politician who has himself been involved in several election campaigns, but electoral campaigns often focus on more than just one issue. Just because the Lib Dems went into the last election with only one policy doesn't mean that other parties didn't bring a little bit more to the table. You can't just pretend the SNP weren't running in a pro-India ticket because you saw a leaflet where independence wasn't the only thing on it. Other mail shots from the SNP directly said to vote for the SNP for NDRF too. So, yeah, <laughs> this isn't it, Alex. But that does bring us to an end this week. So, with all that said, where does that leave the State of the Union? As flimsy as Alex Cole Hamilton's grasp of how electoral campaigns work. See you all again next week.